0: Elizabeth. It's a family name. From Elisheba, my God is an oath. The wife of my distant relative Aaron, of the priestly tribe of Levi, from the Exodus. I'm a descendant of Aaron. I'm of the priestly tribe of Levi. I'll never be a priest, of course. I'm a woman. As you can see, women are mothers. But uh, not me. I, um, I don't have children yeah i wanted children prayed for children but it just didn't happen (laughs) anyway uh anyway i'm elizabeth did i tell you that already how did the gospel writer luke learn the tiny details of the pregnancies of both elizabeth and mary There is the possibility that he learned these things from Mary herself, who was intimately acquainted with their cousin, Elizabeth. My husband's name is Zechariah. He's a priest. We live in the hill country of Judea, a region encompassing Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and Hebron. We're known as being righteous people. My husband and I try very hard to observe all the commands of the Lord. Well, it's not too hard, really. We don't have any children to distract us, push our buttons or all the things that go along with that. And we're old, way too old to ever change that situation, you know, to have children. So it's just us. I'm not bitter, really, just a little worried. Moses wrote that if someone follows the laws, the Lord will love them and give them children. Have Zechariah and I not been good enough, faithful enough? I don't know how we could have done more. But, you know, Luke, he's a doctor. He blames our childlessness on me, like most of our society does. It's just how it is. I wish I could change it, but it's how it is. I wanted children, but I'm blamed for not having them. Anyway, anyway, so that's us. That's me. Moving on. My husband is of the Priestly Division of Abijah, the 8th of 24 Divisions. There's all these divisions of priests, and they rotate through the duties at the temple in Jerusalem, priestly duties and such. Well, one fateful day, his division is on duty at the temple. For the first and last time in his life, my husband is chosen to offer incense at the altar. Only one priest can go into the altar only one time in his life because there are so many priests who want to do it. Well, it was more than a little harrowing as there had been previous priests instantly struck dead for violating God's commands about how to follow the rites properly. Legend has it that even if he dies, nobody can go in to get him, because then they'll die. So we have this tradition of tying a rope to the leg of the priest, so if the Lord kills him, he can be dragged out. Anyway, anyway, it is a big deal. And Zechariah is chosen and we're thrilled, and a little nervous, but thrilled nonetheless. So as the worshippers assemble. Zechariah goes behind this massive curtain, the curtain that separates the rest of the temple from the altar, and he begins praying. <laughs> he sees an angel standing on the table, on the right side of the table. He trembles with fear. No, not the angel, Zechariah. Of course, Zechariah. Zechariah trembles with fear. The angel tells him that our prayers have been answered. We will have a son. We are to name him John. People will rejoice with us. He will be great in the sight of God. He's not to ever have fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. He will turn many people to God. And this, listen to this. He is to prepare the way for the Lord by preparing the people for the Lord. Zechariah is incredulous. How can this be, he asked the angel, because we're so old. The angel, he's Gabriel. He reveals that he is Gabriel, the Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. So he's been sent to tell my Zachariah the good news, which will certainly occur. Zechariah doesn't believe him. And because of his disbelief, my husband will be unable to speak until these things happen. Well, outside, the people are getting worried. Zechariah is taking so long, is he dead? Should we pull him out? They don't. Zechariah comes out, but he can't say a word. He makes motions. The priests understand that he has seen a vision. Well, Zechariah rushes back to our house and tells me the good news, or rather writes me the good news. I immediately become pregnant. I praise the Lord for his favor so we live in the hill country. It's a very quiet place. My pregnancy goes easily and we lead peaceful lives, content that we will have a special son. Six months speed by as if it were six days. I hear a knock on the door and I welcome the person to come in. Mary comes through the door. She's my cousin, much younger than me, much. And at the sound of her voice, my baby jumps with joy. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I begin blessing her. In my joy, I realize I'm to serve Mary, and my son is to serve the baby she will have. Well, for the next three months, Mary stays with me. Talk about a special bond. Nothing brings women closer than pregnancy and children. I believe our babies will have that same tight bond. My due date draws near. Mary goes back to her home about 100 miles away, clearly pregnant herself. And I am thrilled for her, although she certainly has some challenges waiting for her in Nazareth. God grants me an easy birth process. My neighbors gather around the house in great joy as they share in the news that I have a son. Eight days later, they gather again for the circumcision ceremony for my child. They assume he's to be named after his father. No! I say rather strongly, he's to be called John. The crowd is uneasy. This is against tradition. Nobody in our family is named John. I insist that the child is to be named John. Surely the father will not agree, and they turn to Zechariah for his response. He still can't speak. Frustrated, he grabs a tablet and scrawls one short sentence. His name is John. Immediately, Zechariah praises God. My husband is able to speak, and he praises God. The neighbors are awestruck. They rejoice with us. The news spreads throughout all the hill country. My son John will be a special child. Over the coming weeks, the Holy Spirit reveals just how special our son will be. John is to be the one who prepares the people for the coming Messiah. He prepares the way for the coming King. Now, that phrase may not mean much to you, but it meant everything to us. In our time, the kings and emperors had complete control over their subjects' lives, life and death control, so people would do anything to please their rulers. Well, one of the few unpleasant aspects of being a wealthy and powerful ruler was traveling. Rich and poor alike had to suffer the bumps of the road, lengthy travel times, poor lodgings. If a king was known to be on his way, the people would go to great lengths to ease their travel to please the one who had control over their lives. Fill the holes in the road, straighten out curvy sections, flatten hilly parts, plant trees, plant shrubs, anything to make the travel more pleasant and easy. The coming Messiah must surely be more important than any earthly king. How will our son prepare the people? How will he prepare their minds and hearts? We're country people, not wise teachers in Jerusalem. Should we keep him at home and teach him or send him away to be taught? We struggle with those kinds of decisions and eventually decide to keep him at home. Of course, he doesn't spend much time in the house. That child loves the outdoors and the wilder, the better. My dream of having a child was granted to me. A miracle, an oath fulfilled. Proud mother, yes none prouder than me for the messiah will say of my son among those born of women none have risen any greater than john the baptist